Father, we are, we are again, once again, so thankful to be in your presence. We, we are delighted to be in your presence. We are humbled and overwhelmed to be in your presence. And that is good. I ask that you would overwhelm us more. That your presence here would so overwhelm us that we cannot help but leave different after our experiencing you this morning. We want everything to bring glory to your name, and especially the words that are about to come out of my mouth. So I ask that you would empty me of me, that you would completely take everything out of that is me out of me, and you would fill every part of me with you, so that your words and your thoughts and your heart are truly expressed this morning. Because uh, we again, we need to hear your words. Uh, uh, your words are life, and your words change us. Your words help us grow, and we need that this morning. So we thank you for that. We're going to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise because you deserve it. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I will start the timer that I'm going to ignore. Um, Happy birthday. Did you know it was your birthday today? It's Pentecost Sunday. Over 2,000 years ago, a group of 120 of our brothers and sisters gathered in a room somewhere in Jerusalem waiting for the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would come. We can only assume that they were praying and, and, and worshiping because that's what they had gathered to do. And then suddenly, like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit blew, blew them away. Totally blew them away. He filled them. He empowered them to be witnesses. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit came upon you, you will be my witnesses. That word, witnesses, is the word martus. It's where we get the word martyr from. Ouch. And the word martyr or martus basically means one who testifies for the one. One who testifies for the one. It's a legal definition about what a witness would do in a, in, a, in a courtroom. That someone would stand up and witness and testify for someone. This is what the Holy Spirit came to do. To fill us with such power, with such overwhelming love, that we would be here his witnesses. During this time, it is the festival of the weeks, according to Jewish, to the Jewish faith. It is the second of the three great festivals that the Jewish people would celebrate. It's done in Jerusalem, like most of them are. And basically what this celebration is about, they're celebrating the completion of the harvest. But for us, we're not celebrating the completion of the harvest. What we are celebrating is the fact that we are being sent into a harvest. Luke 10.2 says this, And he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his 
harvest. The church was birthed in power. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, Jesus said. Power to become witnesses. Power to become sons and daughters. The rights and the responsibilities and everything that that contains as being a son and daughter of the Most High. We received power for that. He imparted gifts into us so that, that we could walk out of our comfort zone into the world and speak words that change people's lives. It's the gospel. That's what changes people's lives. The power of the gospel, the power that is in the life-changing message of Jesus Christ is what we've been entrusted with and what we've been empowered to talk about, to witness. To witness what he's done for us, like we sung this morning, the things that God has completed in us, that God is he's still working on in us, and what he's delivering us from, what he's taking us from, is our witness that we give to the world. How we describe what the gospel did for us personally, how it changed us into sons and daughters, and how he wants to change the world into sons and daughters as well. This is the power that we've been given. This is the purpose of what we've been given. Sons and daughters prophesizing, dreaming about the business, bigness of God, and moving by His Spirit to change the world. This is powerful stuff. And we've been talking, we're almost at the end of, of this, this series. We, you know, we, we have, we have, today we're going to talk about the gift of prophecy. We still have the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And then the discerning of spirits. And then what we hope to do after that last sermon, we're going to have what we call kind of like uh, ask the experts, but although we won't be experts up there, we're going to have the leaders up there, you know, and any questions, I want, we want you to start thinking about all, going back, and, and, and maybe you took notes, or, or you just have questions about all the things we talked about, and then we'll be up there to hopefully just answer your questions. Because 30 minutes, it's hard to go into all these things deeply. And, 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 we, and we don't want to leave anything kind of uncovered. So in about three or four, uh, you know, the, I think the second week of July is that we'll have that Sunday. So you've got a long time to think of questions. Write them down. Think of good questions. You know, because if you stump Mike and Patty, that'll be great because, you know, they're smarter than me. So I'm going to let them have, I'm going to let them have all the hard ones. You know, and uh, I'll answer the easy ones like, uh, you know, who the Holy Spirit is. Like, that's real easy, right? So in a, in a, in a, so that's where we're heading. We're, we're, we're almost done at the end of this series. And then what, a, what a great journey I think it's been for us. So when we, but when we talk about the gift of prophecy, I, I think this starts to get a lot of people uncomfortable. The gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, Pursue Love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Let that sink in for a minute. Love drives our life. Paul is saying in this passage that to pursue love, that word means to swiftly chase after love. He says to have a strong desire, for a zealous yearning for the gifts that the Holy Spirit has for you. And in particular, that you may prophesy, that you might speak the truth that God speaks with. That you might speak with the truth that God speaks with. 
So I do believe that the gift, which is a power gift, is for us today. If you would, real quickly, go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Read verses 8 to 9. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it would all pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, talking about Jesus Christ, the partial will pass away. Uh, to me, that says the gifts are still in place until Jesus comes back. And he hasn't come back yet. The last thing I noticed, has anyone noticed Jesus come back yet? No, he has not come back yet, right? He's coming back. Thank, thank God he's coming back for us. And we should love that fact that he's coming back for us. But he hasn't come back yet. So this gift is still in, in, is supposed to be working in our lives today. The other thing we need to remember is this. Here's the disclaimer. The Word of God, the 66 books that make up the combined Word of God, is the, is, has complete authority over our lives. This book is, the Bible is finished. Nothing needs to be added to it. Nothing should be added to it. So when we talk about prophecy in the Old Testament and, and even prophecy in, the, and prophecy in the New Testament, it is way different now how it operates in the church now. Because the Word of God is done. It is finished. It's alive. And, it's, and it's, we don't need to add anything to it. It is that package that we rely on and that we depend on. His Word. What we're going to talk about is what prophecy means for us today. And how it looks different from what it was. Nothing can be added to the Word of God. Nothing needs to be added to the Word of God. The gifts of prophecy that we experience today do not add to Scripture but they are tested by Scripture. They are tested by Scripture. So that is the one major difference. First Thessalonians five nineteen through 21 says this, Do not extinguish the Spirit, and do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test all things. That word means to prove, to examine, and approve. But test all things and hold fast to what is good. We test all words, all words, all teachings, everything, by the Word of God. That is our, this, is, this is the thing that we test all words by. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then it's not true. And had the, the Word of God helps us sort what is the bad from the good, so that we can hold fast to what is good. So what is prophecy then? Okay. You know, I've been trying to, every time we talk about one of these particular gifts, trying to get a, get a, get a very short, kind of concrete sentence to, or definition to these things so that hopefully we can remember and we can apply to our lives. This was one of the most difficult. Because prophecy is many things. So here's a very short, very long definition. And if you try to write it down, you're probably going to get mad at me. So just, 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 just listen to what I think. I think what the Bible says it is. Prophecy is a a human interpretation, a human explanation of a divine revelation. A human explanation, a human, uh, what did I say again? I already forgot it myself. 
interpretation of a divine revelation. It's the Holy Spirit talking through a human mind, a human heart, using very human words, talking about God's truth. Because this is what he chooses to speak through. He chooses to speak speak through us, human beings. It's a spirit-filled, spirit-prompted expression that does not um, does not have divine authority. The kind of adding to scripture kind of authority I'm talking about. Okay. It's a spirit-filled, spirit-prompted expression that does not carry divine authority, adding to scripture, that may be mixed with error because of the human factor and always needs to be tested. Who wants to prophesy now? You may be thinking, okay, then why are we bothering with this gift? If it's prone and if it's vulnerable to human error, why are we bothering with this? Shouldn't we just avoid this? Because if it's potential to have some error in it, why are we even talking about it? What did we just read in Thessalonians? Do not extinguish the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Paul says, don't despise prophecy. Otherwise, we quench the Spirit moving through our lives. So if Paul is unafraid of prophecy, even though he knows that it can contain error, I think we can be a little bit more bold and and examining this. I'm going to use an example. I think we would all agree that the gift of teaching is a spirit-filled, spirit-prompted gift from God. I think if I had a show of hands, almost all of us would say the gift of teaching is extremely valuable to the church today. Someone who is gifted in their teaching can, uh, can bring the word of God so that, you know, a great majority of the people listening hear it, receive it, and act on it. It changes their life. We would say that, however, whoever that person that was teaching, we would not consider that person to be perfect or infallible. We would understand that that person is human, that even his interpretation or her interpretation of Scripture could not be all the way correct. We would understand that because they are human, and even though they have a Holy Spirit living inside of them, fueling the gift, helping them with the expression of that gift, they're still human. And I can tell you the amount of times that I have taught and the amount of times that I thought I understood what I was teaching and what I felt the Holy Spirit was inspiring me to teach, and then sometimes going back and listening to my sermon or listening to my talk and going, wow, did I really say that? Not that I was in error, but, you know, it's not complete. It's not, it's not understandable sometimes because I'm a human being. And the, and the way it's clear in my head and my heart is sometimes not the way I can express it. 
But if any any think about any great teaching that you might listen to online, any other teacher that you would that you say, man, you know, Ravi Zacharias, you know, that man can teach. That that man is brilliant. He's he has a command of the scripture and understanding. But you know what? He's not infallible. Because he's human. I would say that he has a great gift of explaining things and, and taking things that are really complex. And as brilliant as he is, even I can understand him. I mean, he brings it down to a level where I can understand him. We would say he has a gift, but he's not infallible. So if the gift of teaching is this, is this wonderful expression that we all would say, yes, we need to get the teaching to be moving through our midst because it, it helps us understand God in a different way, then why not prophecy? I don't think we have to be afraid of it because of the human factor. Because we have this. We have his word that we can test all things. Teachings, words, knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy. We have this word that does it line up with the word of God. And if it doesn't, it, it's, not, it's not the word. <laughs> right? Okay. okay. Did I help? Did I help? So here's my, after saying all that, this is, this is really the definition I came up with. Prophecy is the supernatural ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to the church. Supernatural ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to the church. The point of all that is to hopefully edify encourage and even challenge the church with that message to reveal God's heart in a certain situation. I think talking about the 70s will help us understand this. <laughs> Believe it or not. Have you ever the 70s? Hmm. Seventies were a very interesting time, and I, and I particularly love the slang of the seventies because I still say a lot of these things. But <laughs> you know, things like you know, um, far out, far out was a big one, right? You know, cool. Yeah, uh, I you know, when people used to say far out, I was so cutting edge, I would say equally distant. It never caught on. That's just never caught on. So we had things like far out, uh, groovy. Was a big one. Right on. Yeah. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? You know, those, those kind of things. There was another one that was used. It was the word heavy. Yeah. Heavy. Man, that's heavy. Right? Something was deeply profound or just like so, you go, man, that was heavy, dude, man. That was, you know, righteous and far out and boss and all that groovy. Back when I had hair, long hair, it was heavy. The hair, hair was heavy. <laughs> Big and heavy. So when we talk about, we just dated ourselves, didn't we? I mean, for the most of us in this room. When we talk about heavy today, we talk about a heavy heart. 
heavy spirit. Talk about heavy things like pain and sorrow and sin and sickness. Things that are so heavy they, 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 they threaten to break our backs under the weight of it. Heavy has a whole different kind of connotation now. But I think this is, we have to have this understanding when it comes to prophecy. If you go to First uh, Corinthians, uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 14. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. We already read this one. But pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. For one who speaks in tongues speaks to, not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he others mysteries in the spirit. Tim is going to talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues next week. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding. means edification. means promoting growth. And for encouragement, means to exhort, to draw near. I love that God is always relational. God is always expressing relationships. You know, he wants us to draw near here. And then the word of prophecy is supposed to help us draw near to each other and to him. Love this. This is awesome stuff. The one who speaks um, <clears throat> for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, and for their consolation, for their comfort, for their calming. I think the Holy Spirit is the great weightlifter, and He uses the gifts to do the heavy lifting. Through this gift, the Holy Spirit seeks to build up, edify. He seeks to stir up, exhort, and he seeks to lift up, and that's comfort. Sometimes when we're carrying, you know, when you're carrying something heavy, you have to shift the weight sometimes in order to get a better grip. You know? And this is, the, this is the, what I see the prophecy being. It's helping us shift the weight from carrying something Sin, sickness, pain, sorrow, grief, fill in the blank there. Helps us shift from carrying something heavy to experiencing something heavy. The presence of God. The presence of God. The, presence, the glory of God is basically the presence of God. And the word for glory basically means to be heavy with, to weigh upon. So the beautiful thing about prophecy, what it's saying in this verse, that it helps us shift the, shift the weight from carrying something heavy to experiencing something heavy. And that transfer of weight is all the difference for us. See, because when we're experiencing the weightiness of God, it, we suddenly realize that there's someone bigger than us, bigger than our situation, bigger than the things that we were carrying, stronger than the things that we were carrying, and therefore he can help us now carry the things that we need to do. And that verse says that prophecy lifts us, edifies us, encourages us, comforts us. And all those things lift us 
It's a transfer of, of weight, of things that, from, from ex- carrying something to experiencing someone. His glory. What I would like to do at this point is just sum up where we've been and where we are. Because I think this will help us see how these gifts work together. So we can go all the way back to the beginning almost. That we said a word of wisdom. Sorry, we're going to start a word not a word of wisdom. We need to start the word of knowledge. Okay, a word of knowledge is what we said was a supernatural insight. A revelation of information previously unknown to someone. And what this gift was for was to help us uh, reveal blind spots. You know, something that we didn't see before. God uses a word of knowledge to reveal something, something that was previously unknown, and now we can see it, and now we can deal with it, and now we can be free of it. That's what the purpose of a word of knowledge is. A word of wisdom is a supernatural word that builds up, that blesses, and helps someone grow in their faith. This, we said, was a word of wisdom that helps us see life from God's perspective. You know, when we need wisdom, when we can't figure out what to do, we need a gift of wisdom that helps us understand life, the decisions we have to make, where we're supposed to go, how we're supposed to do things, whatever the thing is, it, but we need God's perspective because that's wisdom. God's perspective is wisdom, is wise. Is, his ways are what? Higher than our ways. Then we said the gift of faith was the God-given ability to believe him for the impossible Right when you're in the middle of an, impo- an impossible situation, we, we believe him that he's going to make things work together for our good. With man, it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. The, the gifts of faith. Now, then we, last week, we talked about the gifts of healing and the working of, of miracles. And, and what we said that together, this was a demonstration, a supernatural de- demonstration of his love. Separately, they were the gifts of healing, were the supernatural ability of God's healing power to restore a person who was sick, injured, or suffering. Physically sick, mentally sick, emotionally sick, relationally sick, or injured, or suffering. This gift of healing was the supernatural ability to heal those things. And that the working of miracles was the supernatural demonstration of the power of God making the impossible possible. And now we get to where we are today, a word of prophecy. And what we're saying is a word of prophecy lifts us. If a prophecy is basically speaking what God's word already has said and just revealing it, a divine message revealing his words, his heart, his motives. And it always needs to be tested. Always needs to be tested. When we talk about being harvest workers, it's really what we are. Go to uh, back to First Corinthians fourteen and go to verses twenty-four and twenty-five.
But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all and he is called to account by all. The secrets of his hearts are disclosed and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Did you just get what I just read? I am in 1 Corinthians 14. Chapter 20, uh, verses 24 to 25. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by prophecy. And he is called to account by that word. And what happens? His heart is revealed and he repents. And he acknowledges God. Am I the only one that's kind of like amazed about that? I, I, you know, that's amazing. When we talk about a lack of revival in this country... We, we, we give a lot of reasons for it, and there are probably multiple, multiple, and multiple reasons why there's a lack of revival in this nation. Repentance being a bigger one. But I think the despising of the spiritual gifts is also one by the church. Because this says right here, if we're exercising the gifts, if we're being obedient to what God has asked us to do, and we're motivated by love, because that's our motivation, because, you know, love always remains, it says, and, you know, the guests will pass away, but right now they're, they're supposed to be working us because we're, the harvest fields are ripe. Therefore, if they're ripe, then the problem with revival is not the world. The problem with revival is the church. Oops. And if we're not despising the gifts, then the gifts are flowing and, 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 and moving. People come into the midst of it. They hear a word of prophecy. Their heart is revealed. They repent. And they acknowledge that God is there. It doesn't, it doesn't say if all are you know, given a sermon that you know, the day we repent. It doesn't say if you know, the, the, the pastor's a really great guy. They all repent. It says that all prophesy. They are convicted. And they repent. And they come into the kingdom. That's an amazing two verses right there. And we could probably talk another eight weeks just about that. Did you get that? I, I urge you to go home and read these three, these, you know, chapter 13, 14, and 15 again, and just bring them all together for yourselves. This is, this is huge stuff. It's just a, Micah 3, 88 says this, that, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgressions, to Israel his sin. The world is sick with sin. It's sick with it. 
It needs a healer. It needs a redeemer. We are witnesses. We are the harvest workers. And I love my brother Micah here when he says, you know, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of God. He is not afraid of being powerful and going into the world to speak to people about their sin, about their need of Jesus. Again, I think the message throughout the service has been for us is not to be afraid to be powerful in the Spirit. Remembering it is our relationship with Jesus Christ that makes it possible. That the Spirit of God living in us makes it possible. That if we pursue love, we don't have to worry about making a mistake with any of these gifts. See, if our heart is motivated by love and it is, and it is always approaching God and His throne in a humble way, but with boldness in our faith, we don't have to be afraid of these gifts. We have each other to check each other out. That's why I need you. You know, if I teach something that's kind of off, you've got to come speak to me. If there's something you have a question about, you've got to come talk to me. You're supposed to check every word that comes out of my mouth by this wonderful word. Or whoever else is teaching up here. I sometimes operate in the gift of prophecy here. You sometimes don't know it, but sometimes I do. And I, but I expect those who know what I'm doing to come and talk to me about it. I'm not afraid to use my gifts because I know that you guys are here to check me. I know this is here to check me. We have to pray for our other brothers and sisters in the BC church. Those who are afraid of this because I do think it does hamper revival in this country. This, 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 because the Bible that's only says that. When you despise these gifts, you are inhibiting the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn. Basically what that is saying. And there's members of our body, Big C, that despise the gifts, that think they're, don't, they don't, they're not for today. I think they have a lack of understanding of what scriptures teach, but I think they have, we need just to pray for them. We just need to pray for them because we need a whole body. The Big C Church and we need this body. Learn what it means to express these gifts according to his will. Because he says, at the end of us all, 1 Corinthians 12.7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And basically what the common good is, is to help each other carry the load. That's really what it is. So that when we are carrying something that is heavy, that we help each other transfer the weight to experiencing something heavy. That really changes who we are as brothers and sisters together and helps us be harvest workers out there. Father, we thank you for this word. We ask, Father, that any word, any phrase or any thought that was not of you, that you completely wipe it from our memory and that only, <laughs> only the good would remain. And we would hold fast to what is good. So I pray for all of our hearts to be stimulated to, to study your word more about this. Uh, that we would confidently come to you and say, Father, help me move in the gifts that you would want me to, when you would want me to, and with the love that you want me to express these gifts in. That we would not be afraid to be powerful people, powerful sons and daughters. 
Because we need to be in order to go into all the world, to the ends of the world, to preach the gospel. Make disciples. We want to be harvest workers for you. And we need that. We need the Holy Spirit to do that for us. So thank you for that. I pray that you would bless all the hearts here. And you would bless them financially. You would bless them relationally. You would bless them in their health. I pray that this week would be one of, they would be so overwhelmed by your love and your presence, they would feel heavy because you're, they're in your presence. And that you would release the heaviness of, the, of their sorrow, of their grief, of their pain, or, or whatever it is that is weighing them down. I pray for release for them. And I ask that, that they would trade that for your presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're released.